please don't make this the intro because my mum listens to this podcast. <laughs> You're going to have to say something at least as funny or interesting, I'm afraid. Oh, quick. Let me tell you a joke. Um, <laughs> what do you call a fish with no eyes? A fish. Amazing. Oh, it's a great joke. Make that the intro. <laughs> yep, that's the best joke that we've said today. We'll definitely make this the intro instead of that much better thing you said about... Let's try and say something we can use. Starting now. <laughs> so, how about those films, Paul, huh? Well, let me tell you, Jen. If I had a podcast and a Jen to listen, I would just go on and on about all the films that there are. Oh, well. Shame you don't. Mm-hmm. Psych. Did a wink. I didn't. Did a wink. Oh, I thought it was a wink. I think maybe I winked and just (laughs) blocked off one half of your face. You just closed your eyes and started screaming. (laughs) I relented and started a podcast with you. So all those people haven't been winking at me. I'm just a massive pervert. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. Not again. Sounds about right though. Mama, I did it again. Mama Mia. Oh, I did it again. I winked at someone inappropriately. Mamma mia. Yeah. Does Come it show me again? out? Come and bail me out. The people, the people on the bus were not very forgiving. <laughs> that would have been a whole different film. <laughs> a much grimmer film. Much Still Pierce Brosnan, though. Oh, yeah. He's the only one you can get to wink. He's the only one from the original cast to stay. Yeah. I relate to it more now. <laughs> James Bond, James Bond. For the love of God, start this podcast. <laughs> okay. Skid up, but up, hello. My name's Jen Plundell, and you're listening to Jen oh, and the Film. I'm going to get so sued. <laughs> You're listening to Jen and the Film Critic, a Screen Mayhem podcast. With me is my son, I can't. With me, as always, is my film critic, Paul Salt. Say hello, Paul. Hello. Please no one tell Tom Cardi where we can find us. No. I mean, yeah. he's not going to do anything about it. I'll beat him up. Uh, <laughs> That's true. We could probably take him. Oh, easy. A mustache. Easy. easy. Australians. <laughs> I'll fight any three of them. <laughs> What are they going to do? Bring over a spider? <laughs> oh, God, they might. Oh, dear. Actually, I take it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, Love you, Australia. <laughs> I tolerate you. Um, <laughs> so what films are we talking about today, Paul? What films are we talking about? We've got a very eclectic bunch. Mm. And I think the best place to start is with the movie that everyone's been talking about. Don't worry, darling. I won't. Please tell me the name <laughs> of the film. <laughs> oh, oh, what's this joke now? You've got jokes now. I do have And it's jokes going now. to massively change the way that we communicate with each other. It is. Um, has anything of the hubbub around Don't Worry Darling reached you? Uh, yes, I watched the trailer yesterday because some ah. friends suggested that we go see it in two days' time. Ooh. And so I thought, and I've seen posters on the side of a bus, and mm-hmm. I've seen posters probably other places as well. Mm. And I knew vaguely that this was the film of the moment. Film of the um, moment. But I haven't re Oh, I think I saw one person make some sort of sassy joke about it on Twitter, but I didn't get the joke, so I didn't remember it. There's been an awful lot of sassy jokes on Twitter lately. Yeah. Tuh, Twitter. It's getting out of hand. 
I don't know who's taking care of things over there, but mm. I'm not going to stand for it. No. Um, yes, this is the much-anticipated new film from Booksmart director Olivia Wilde, starring Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, and Chris Pine. Mm. And uh, if you've been near someone with access to the internet, you may have heard about the troubled production, which includes the involvement of Shia LaBeouf, which may have involved bad conduct on his part and a falling out. Oh. Rumoured arguments between Pugh and Wilde, which may have led to a reduced role I did in hear her about that. publicizing the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pugh, I did hear is. about that. But uh, she, um, I think her publicity team has just said, no, she's just busy filming June 2, which is a great way to f- um, free someone <laughs> out of your life. <laughs> Are you coming to the wedding? No, June 2. June 2. Sorry. June 2, I'm afraid. June 2 to you. I'm going to start using that one next year. June 2 <laughs> out next year. Yeah. That's my reason why I'm not going into any weddings next year that people invite <laughs> me to. Not because this year there was too many weddings, but no, next year I'm just going to say, sorry, June 2. Yeah, June 2 is not going to When they say, sorry, what? <laughs> I'm going to just walk away. <laughs> It just won't be there when they look back. I'm just shaking my head ruefully. Uh, so I think this has risen the profile of the movie quite a bit beyond the sort of book smart fans and Harry Styles fans who I saw it with. Mm. Um, the f- cinema was very lo- uh, packed full of teenage girls and it was only after a moment that Katie realised it was probably because of the Styles. Mm. Um, unless all of these people were here to see Chris Pine, they might have been pine nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I liked that. It's a good name. It's, it's a good, a good name. name. Um, I saw someone opining that with all these rumours, including allegations that um, also included an onset affair between Wilde and Styles, who are now an item and weren't at the beginning of production. You know, Wilde and Styles, incidentally, vampire couple name if ever there was a oh, one. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the person opined that maybe with all of this, uh, movies might be back, which it does feel quite golden age of Hollywood, mm. all of this, quite appropriately enough. Uh, but the risk was that an actual good genre movie was going to be buried by all of this controversy, and fortunately that hasn't happened. Um, the story follows uh, Pew's Alice as a housewife in a pleasant but fairly bland and vaguely sinister 1950s community in the middle of the desert. Uh, the men all work on some sort of mysterious project that occasionally vibrates the entire community, uh, and they leave every day in order to go and do that. Uh, meanwhile, Florence Pugh starts experiencing some weird phenomena, uh, notices that things may not be as they seem. Ooh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. My personal timeline for this movie was that I was engaged and interested and a little on edge for the first third. Then I got bored, and then it got dumb, and I nearly got back on board. <laughs> um, there is a twist that I shall not spoil, okay. uh, which explains what exactly is wrong with this community, and it is as unsatisfying and inexplicable as, for example, 2019's Serenity, the Matthew mm. McConaughey thing. It raises a lot of questions, forces a lot of very silly plot points very quickly, does not feel earned, and only recontextualizes what you've seen so that it matters less or makes less sense. And it's <laughs> dropped so late that there is no time to let it breathe or really think about it, which kind of feels tactical considering what the twist is. Right. So, I mean, the natural conclusion watching it is that it's going to be the village. This is going to be the twist from the mm. village, that that's the twist. And that would make much more sense <laughs> and could even justify what they do with the ending. But you need to do something about the rumbling and the plane crash, neither of which, as they stand in this cut, have any explanation. So mm. this is all nitpicking. The problem is that the twist doesn't satisfy. Uh, thematically, it's just about how women get trapped in a patriarchal society. Like, we know. We know that <laughs> happens. Like, the idyllic 50s sucked for pretty much everyone involved in it. And we've 
you know, you'll know that if you've seen any media set in the 50s that was made since the 60s. It's an offering a tremendous amount of new insight, and the twist does tie the 50s kind of misogyny into this different, more modern flavour of toxicity, but in a way that's actually kind of funny. Okay. Like, it would be like if the latest Bond villain turned out to be an NFT bro or something. It's just... <laughs> Okay. It's it's yeah. Um the two best parts of the film, and these are really good parts, Florence Pugh's performance and yeah. Olivia Wilde's direction, which couple okay. coupled with Matthew Libertique's um or Libertique? Libertique, perhaps? Mm. Mm? Creates creates an aesthetic very nearly bold enough to make you think that you haven't, you know, seen all of this before. Um these are all recycled parts, and it doesn't work as a good movie. The question is, is it enjoyably bad enough to become any kind of cult hit? It played well to a crowd. But that yeah. long, dull stretch, where she is just being solidly gaslit by everyone, and we know something's going on, but nobody, you know, nobody knows if she, you know, nobody agrees with her, and everyone's doubting her and making her think she's crazy, and it gets very repetitive, and that might get in the way of this being a well-liked, sort of, so bad mm. it's good movie. Uh, one other thought is, whilst publicising the movie, Wilde highlighted, uh, yeah, Olivia Wilde highlighted the focus on female pleasure in the sex scenes, and whilst the Cunnilingus uh, sequence was really well realised, when you know what the twist is, that's a pretty crazy thing to have sold your movie on. <laughs> I'll say okay. nothing else, but yeah. Interesting. Come back to that quote <laughs> after you know what the twist is. Oh god, I'm thinking about this now. I've written three stars because of uh, Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde, both of whom you know do really well, and mm. I hope they did get on. But even if they didn't, they've done their bit. They 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 did a good job. They made it. They made it a compelling film for the most part. Mm. Um, I think the script really let them down. Yeah. Um, and also Harry Styles was quite bad. Oh no. Oh well. well. Uh, uh, yeah, but he's points... famous and people like him. So, oh, he is famous and he's very pretty. He looks like um, who's that guy who played Quicksilver in the X Men movie? Evan Peters? Oh, no idea. Uh, I know who you mean, but yeah, he's got uh, a I don't really know his pretty name. face. And Harry mm. Styles kind of looks like him. Um, so yeah, so the first time Evan prettier. Peters is like, oh, he's used to hearing people say, "You look like Harry Styles." <laughs> But his accent is crazy. There was a moment where I assumed he was trying to do American. Mm. And then there's a point in the movie where Doctor just says to him, it's like you Brits say. And I'm like, oh. 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 <laughs> was that a slip up? Was that an outtake? They left him by mistake. <laughs> Apparently he was meant to be British. But then yeah. it's, it's, yeah. It's maybe very he's curious. he's meant to be a Brit who's lived there for a while. Maybe it's just meant to be one of those. Maybe he's meant to be speaking with that transatlantic accent that doesn't really yeah. exist. Yeah, maybe. He was just it going was... for old timey. It is the 50s, after all. Yeah. Um, there is also a moment where he has this big meltdown moment where he's yelling at Florence Pugh, and there's a moment where he has to do... Wait. He does two yell. He yells two things. I gave you everything! Pause. And then in the pause, before the next yell bit, he does go... <laughs> that was, for the record, that was Paul making a very upside-down you mouth shape. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he does. He does a sad cat face. And it's... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it, it may elicit titters. Okay, so Acting. yeah, three three stars. I think it's worth checking out, even okay. if it's partly because it's just a bit of a mess. Yeah, all right, fair yeah. enough. That's how it is. That's how it is, isn't it? How it is. Well, that it is. I'm I'm Harry Styles. I'm Harry Styles. Oh, One Direction was the band I was in. Oh, One Direction. We are One Direction. We like to sing lovely songs. Oh, God, it's such a banging hit. <laughs> you just put a boom, boom. <laughs> you take all of the you take all of the dubstep out and the sort of you know uh, digital effects that is what they're doing yeah it's an old george fornby thing 
One Direction went to town. Went to town, went to town. One Direction went to town and saw a lovely lass. (laughs) Well, speaking of lovely lasses Mm -hmm. and people who came to town, we have 3,000 years of longing. Oh. uh, Yeah, I think we got trailers for this ahead of something. No, I have no idea what you're talking oh, about. Oh, well, it's mm. very good. Um, well, spoiler alert. Spoiler uh, alert, you liked it. <laughs> eagerly awaited new film from George Miller, director of Mad Max Fury Road and Babe, mm-hmm. Pig in the City. <laughs> and it is about a woman played by Tilda Swinton, who is in Istanbul doing some book-related stuff. She's a scholar of uh, stories, of tales. Mm. And she stumbles across a magic lamp, which contains a really hot genie played by Idris Elba. who's going to grant her three wishes. Now, the trailer was great, and it suggested that it would be this big, mad, frantic race for all these exotic fantasy worlds with this relentless, bizarre images bombarding you whilst the trippy, pounding soundtrack hypnotizes you into submission. And the film is actually better than that. Um, Most of it is in this hotel room in Istanbul where she is reluctant to grant, to make any wishes because she's aware of all the cautionary tales, you know. As she says, there is no tale about wishing that is not a cautionary tale. Mm. So she has Elba recount his entire history, trying to reassure her and um, sort of impress the importance of making these wishes because it's the only thing that will free him. Um, And he tells the story of when he was first cursed to be inside of the lamp. And we have this very episodic kind of structuring Mm. as he changes hands and tragically falls just short of having that third wish granted in every case. Mm. Usually because the wish has been killed by the first two. Um, It's epic in scope, in ambition and in realization. Like it's such a unique visual style. I can't think of any movie that looks like this one. It's um, got that in common with everything everywhere all at once. It's just kind of Mm. gorgeous aesthetic that makes it totally unique um and at various points during this part of the movie i remember thinking to myself huh this might be my favorite film of the year i wow. adored the cinematography the production design and the really unique tone there's a moment in the trailer where a man shoots an arrow you know he's on a battlement and there's a guy sailing away and he shoots an arrow into the air and it cuts the silence the arrow comes down and just before it hits its target there's a match cut to an unrelated man falling over and whilst it's still silent there's the distant sound of laughing and there's just this eerie kind of quietness to it. That is more representative of the tone and atmosphere of this film. Hmm. It's a really quietly spectacular movie, and there's a magic to that. It's utterly absorbing. You just really feel like you're in these incredible places, and you just want to stay there. Um, And then it comes time for her to make her wishes, about two-thirds into the movie. And that's, for me, where issues emerged. The nature of the film shifts quite considerably, in a way that for me wasn't nearly as satisfying, but that might have been the point. Mm. I think I need to watch this again with that Mm. in mind and knowing that this is what happens to the narrative. Because one of the best things about the film is that it's so hard to anticipate what might happen next, but in that last third, it did get a little predictable in terms of where it was going. And it's just about whether or not at that stage, the movie has done enough that you are involved in the characters and the drama that's unfolding. And... I'm not sure I was in the way that I was intended to be, but again, maybe that was the point and I wasn't meant to be in it, like buying into what was going on. It's hard to explain without spoilers, but, you know, Mm. Tilda Swinton is amazing, as you'd expect. She's very authentic in her own quiet, awkward way, incredibly charismatic. I think she nails the accent, but I don't know. I'm not from the north of England, but it seemed very good to me. And I trust her to do the research. I trust her. Oh, yeah implicitly this also might be my favorite idris elba performance Ooh, tricky because of stringer bell but 
he brings so much gravitas and presence to the genie mm, whilst also imagine. this weary and quietly desperate kind of side to him as well mm. i totally brought him to him as a character and just kind of fell in love with him a bit and wanted to just see him and have him tell me stories forever <laughs> um there's a very still unhappiness to both of them that actually kind of unites them together they're just magic i just love seeing them talk to each other this centuries old sort of you know massive god mm. and there's just little shy northern woman um it's just yeah it's very good it's a really yeah. lovely thing and yeah it's hard to say what's more exciting the sort of big bizarre fantasy sequences that unfold in the genie's tale or just the two of them in a hotel room talking which again just makes me want to revisit that third act because i may have just been spoiled by how sumptuous the first two were consequently for now it's four stars but it might go up a star okay. on rewatch because i really did adore the first two acts and i just need to see it again i think and i'll try mm. and do so in a cinema but it is a strong and hearty recommend either way cool very yeah. good interesting mm. that sounds fascinating oh, i had I not it. heard of this i hadn't seen mm. anything about it um yeah i definitely watch this this sounds like a cup yeah. of tea sounds absolutely like a cup of tea. If, we can, if we can find a screening after the film festival and we get our lives back hopefully <laughs> 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 the problem is right after the film festival i'm going up north for two uh. weeks so and you'll find a lamp up there of a northern fairy yeah. in it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be southern the Idris Elba in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> southern yeah. fairies. Southern fairies. Plenty of those um, are out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, You're my southern fairy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, grant me wishes. Oh. Uh, you'll, if you wish for a cheese toasty in about a week, I think I can arrange that. Mm, how about if I just wish for you to tell me about the next film? Oh! <gasps> Wish granted. Here's Great. this weird horror movie that's out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's Crimes of the Future. Okay. This is one of those movies where explaining the premise is going to tell you everything you need to know about the Great. movie. Great. I'm excited. We are in a future society where body modification and genetic engineering rule supreme. Viggo mm -hmm. Mortensen plays a performance <laughs> artist who grows new organs within himself, which are then removed in a sort of live surgery before an audience as part of his performance art. Um, it is removed by his performance and romantic partner, Leah Sadow. These organs are then categorized by investigators at the National Organ Registry, played by Don McKillar and Kristen Stewart. The latter of whom finds herself sexually titillated by the prospect of being operated upon by Mortensen. Meanwhile, there is a sinister conspiracy going on involving a cult that wants to adapt the human body to be able to eat plastic and industrial waste, and two eccentric technicians who fetishize the, ma the machinery that humans now require to eat and sleep comfortably. And now that you've had that explained to you, your brain has sufficiently changed shape into the throbbing, undulating filter that is necessary to enjoy the movie. Oh, there was a code hidden in there. <laughs> it was all I've coding. been activated. You have been. This is a movie by David Cronenberg. Who, ah, okay. Yeah, perhaps want to, wants to put his son Brandon Cronenberg, who directed the excellent 2020s body horror film Possession, back in his place because you'd <laughs> be hard-pressed. Get back pressed. cupboard. <laughs> you think that's weird and violent? Check this out. <laughs> yeah, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more Cronenbergian film than this. He really is leaning heavily on his early trademarks. It's mm. very Dead Ringers, very Videodrome, very Scanners, very gruey cronenberg before he cleaned up his act with stuff like mm. a history of violence um that's what his act looks like when it's clean 
It's not slop absolutely everywhere. <laughs> There's only a little bit of extreme disturbing violence yeah. mm-hmm. and a good sex scene. Mm. Um, two good sex scenes. The big thing was that he used to use body horror as a way of making metaphors physical. So he would mm. use like latex and like weird special effects in order to, yeah, literalize metaphor. And there are two key metaphors being explored here. Uh, the creative process of the artist and the changing nature of the human body and the impact that's going to have on future generations. One is fairly straightforward. I mean, this idea that the artist is growing something inside of them that is uncomfortable mm. and painful and at great risk to their own well-being and then gets it removed in a grisly process that hurts them even further for the benefit of an audience and then the resulting work is filed and categorized away and obsessed over by weirdos. Hello. Um, that's <laughs> hey, a fairly... Weirdos. <laughs> This is our art. <laughs> this is that's that's my role in this metaphor. <laughs> so it's fairly clear what oh, anxieties well, you're the are being. Weirdo, I see. Yeah, the, the, the weirdos are definitely the film critics and like uh-huh. the curators and true, all of that. True, they take the true. organs and categorize it and file it away. <laughs> As but... my eyes drift <laughs> on the uh, Zoom screen to all those films in the background, there. These are all, all the organs DVDs. that other directors have had removed from themselves for my amusement. Yeah, you know it's. It's, it's fairly clear, the idea that creating art is this painful, horrific process that involves, like, growing this horrible thing inside of you and then having it sucked out, you know. Mm. It's, 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 a good, it's a good little analogy, that. Mm. Um, fairly amusing. And, yeah, it has a fair amount of robustness because it allows them to explore things like aging, being able to continue to do this as you get older, mm. uh, relevance, competition with other artists, including one who has ears like all has implanted all over his face, mm. um, artistic integrity, you know, it's all explorable in this way. The other is less clear. Humans are unable to correct and fix the world around them, so they are trying to force evolution so that we can live on our own waste. There's something quite Pasolini about it, but I can't quite get my head around it like the performance art aspect mm. so it's a dark story uh grimly comic and a, and quite kinky uh recalling okay. crash you know his movie crash which was not the oscar winner crash it was an earlier movie in which a couple <laughs> find out they are uh sexually aroused by getting into car crashes interesting that was, that was also david cronenberg right um <laughs> so yeah there's this idea of excitement from bizarre behavior the performances are fantastic especially mortensen who is this messianic artist worshipped mm. and loved by all but who is just just a wreck of a man, the epitome of a man living against the flow of the world and being crushed by the sort of the burden of an artist, but is also just aware of how pretentious that is and is just as wanting mm. to make fun of him for it. Um, yeah, he's alone in seeing the madness of the world, but you know, as a result of the ending of the film and the ending of his arc, you know, it's it's pretty subversive in terms of that narrative, which I quite enjoy. Um, and is either fabulous or very depressing, depending on how the rest of it is being interpreted. Mm. Um, that's going to depend on how much you feel that you are being invited to uh, sympathize with Leia Sadow's character, who is great. She's very excited by all the bizarre, bizarre kind of queer possibilities of this new world and how she might change her body for this, you know, and to be this unique thing and something mm. that's very different from, you know, what everyone else have and how she could define her identity sort of externally. And then Kristen Stewart is here and she's doing her breathy awkwardness for, from Spencer, but with this mm. kind of excitable nerd energy, um, but for the prospect of being operated on. And that makes her seem both naive, but also very sinister. She's good. Mm. I liked her. It's, it's a very interesting film and one that's very dark and violent and funny and weird and kinky and all the other things that one might want from a David Cronenberg film. Actual investment in, in what's happening may vary though. So. Mm-hmm. 
it's more of a sort of fun experiment and a mood piece uh, than anything else. But my God, is it unique? You're not going to find much out there like it. Although Earwig was actually kind of similar. But mm. anyway, four stars. Interesting. No, thank Interesting. you. Interesting. That's a no thank you. <laughs> but I am no fascinated you. to hear, to read the plot summary. <laughs> <laughs> I would highly recommend it. It's, it reads oddly. I imagine. Mm. I imagine. Without having actually seen a Cronenberg, I have come mm. to the conclusion that I am not the person to enjoy his oeuvre. <laughs> Maybe not. I would recommend The Fly if you were ever to take one in. It's okay. a really wonderful piece and it's peak Goldblum. Ooh. And uh, yeah, yeah, and he's very, the fly very is in, good in it. Like, is that the Kafka story? No, yeah. that's Metamorphosis. That's Metamorphosis. But it's, it's a similar deal. Same no, it's a anyway, similar yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Similar. It's... um. He's a scientist who invents a brand new method of transportation, which okay. will transport matter from one pod to a, from one yeah pod to another. Mm. And he decides to test it on himself, but a fly gets into the pod with him. Yes. And in the 1950s movie, it meant that he had the head of a fly. Right. Yes, that's why I've heard. Okay. <laughs> but in the 80s one, he just gradually turns into a fly in this horrible kind of way. But all of that aside, it's just a movie about a couple getting sick. You know, mm. one member of the couple is sick and it's like ruining their relationship. It's just a stand-in for like cancer or sure. whatever else. And it's just this beautiful but really horrible and, you know, painful thing. It's really good, but it's a downer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, won't, I won't move it to the top of the to watch part. <laughs> Gina Davis? Mm, I do like her. She's very good yeah, in it. Anyway. There's very steamy scenes between Davis and... Uh, well, now we're talking. And Goldwyn. <laughs> <laughs> um, Next film, please. Next film. See how they run. <laughs> see how Jen runs from that Away from Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, my God, is this a tone shift? This is a whodunit framed around Agatha Christie's The right, Mousetrap. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the 100th performance of The Mousetrap, an unpopular Hollywood film director played by Adrian Brody is murdered. And there's mm. a whole host of suspects all positioned around the play and its film adaptation. And it's up to Sam Rockwell's Inspector Stoppard and Saoirse Ronan's Constable Stalker to solve the crime. Mm-hmm. Now, it's tricky territory, this, because murder mysteries are nearly as old as cinema. 1916 is the first mm. Sherlock Holmes film, so it's over 100 years of cinema, and one absolutely shudders to think of how much television there's been in the genre. Oof. My mother's DVD collection alone proves that trying to do a new twist on this genre is going to be really difficult. Mm. For all the Lindleys and Marples and mm-hmm. Rosemary and Tynes and... <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's actually vaguely terrifying. You yeah. factor in the American CSI and law and orders, it's just, Jesus. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. A lot of people have been killed in some really weird ways. Yeah, and you'd for be hard our pressed entertainment. To, for our entertainment, and you'd be hard-pressed to think of a brand new way of killing someone. Mm. Relatively recent successes in breathing life into this genre uh, would be the large scale of Murder on the Orient Express, which in mm-hmm. spite of Death on the Nile, I still think was a success. Um, the deeply sinister Gone Girl. The very mm-hmm. wry and stylish, a simple favor. I very much mm-hmm. like that movie. And the genre savvy and all round brilliant Knives Out, which mm-hmm. I think is quite a direct influence on this one. Yes. The characters know how murder mysteries work. There's a meta commentary and a genre savviness going on. Sure. They know what the story beats are going to be and they announce them before they happen. So it does go a bit scream. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> yeah. That's what, that was my immediate thought was, <laughs> yeah. was a scream. <laughs> When it's um, what's important when you do that is that you subverse you subvert the formula. Mm. But this movie is actually fairly straightforward. Okay. 
most of the characters are like you've got Sam Rockwell as this kind of grizzled and unreliable kind of detective and then the you know bright starry-eyed optimist of this you know young detective who's eager to sort of make a name for herself Mm -hmm. and is very invested in the whole thing and they've got a great dynamic and they're both really good yeah and Saoirse Ronan is just really charming Mm. just really a great presence and it's actually really fun to see sam rockwell just be on board for the whole thing (laughs) but you're like putting on an english accent just being this gruff kind of guy i kind of just find it very endearing i like sam rockwell a lot i really like sam Rockwell. i don't know why i've always just really liked him yeah was he in like a charlie's angels or something once he was in some like trashy more slightly more trashy mains very mainstream sort of thing that came out in the noughties i think oh and ever since then i've really liked him (laughs) that was my first introduction to him i think my first was probably the green mile and then i remember moon moon yes moon i watched as a young adult yeah he was briefly in iron man 2 memorably though he does a really good dance i do think it's something like charlie's angels let me have a look here Mm. we are oh my god he was he was eric knox and charlie's angels yes 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 he does a little dance at one point and i'm like oh i love this guy he's a very good dancer he is a very good dancer he's done this on a lot of um oh Mm. assassination of the coward of jesse james by the coward robert ford is also really good assassination of the coward jesse james by the coward (laughs) robert ford (laughs) that's a very cowardly movie (laughs) yeah they're just running away from each other yeah. Ah, ah. No, no please don't ah, no don't make me ah. <laughs> brad pitt's best role yeah um so yeah he's he's really good in it as well but yeah it, it's um it's it's a fairly straightforward it's no christy she not only invented the cliches but then subverted them as well mm. every one of her works including the mousetrap has some absolutely delightful and astonishing thing that makes yeah. you completely takes you by surprise she really is quite extraordinary mm. um and her work you know still holds up i think you know if even if you're aware of the cliches and you come in like watch there's a reason the mousetrap has been on forever mm. it's because even if you come in and be like oh i see the, the twist still takes people by surprise i actually don't think i know it it's very good it's mm. one of those quests like agatha christie's twists are so great because they are so spoilable like you yeah, know the murder on Orient express yeah you can offer one line but it's so good because even without knowing anything else about yeah the play you get why that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, it's really yeah. good like that. So yeah. this, meanwhile, is quite conventional. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's following, it's mirroring the beats of the play, but, you know, doing its own thing. Conventional style, conventional story, conventional twist. Elevated by performance and particularly Saoirse Ronan. But nevertheless, it's three stars. It's quite fun, but a little disposable. And it should have been at least closer to Christmas because it's very <gasps> cozy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Strikes me as a Christmas film. It's even got a wintry aesthetic. It's like set in the snow and it's just, yeah. Strange release time then. Yeah, I think so. Summer. It's not a summer movie. Maybe they thought the star power would carry it over, but this is textbook winter. They should have held on to it. Yeah. Ah, well, I'd watch it. I'll watch (coughs) it. I'm not going to go out my way. Why not? Nah, when it's on, you know. Yeah. You'll have fun. Exactly. Next. (sighs) Well, speaking of cozy, Mm? Moon Age Daydream. Ooh. Ooh. We have a psychedelic journey through the life, iconography, and philosophy of David Bowie. Oh. Yeah. It's a really interesting experimental documentary about him from his Ziggy Stardust days to his final performances with allusions to his childhood, relationship to his mother, and his legacy after death. Um, The idea is to explore what Bowie meant to people and do so in this abstract experimental experimental montage of imagery, you know, just using like footage from his shows, interviews, uh, films, the films he was in, other documentaries, 
all mixed in with original animation and imagery uh, in order to try and just tell Mm. this story in a way that Bowie would have maybe done it, you know, and make something that is a piece of art in its own right. Mm. And it is fantastic. It's a really powerful piece that really just makes you, if you're not in love with David Bowie, it will do that because Mm. it just puts him so large in this frame, this giant IMAX frame of his incredible music and just everything that he seems to represent. Um, it gives a good impression of his beliefs and his limitations as well. All the things that scared him and the anxieties that affected him. You know, we see how he can't stay in one place for a very long and that he struggles to create ties to people and his obsessive dedication to his work. Um, his exhausting desire to try and make the most out of every single day and his evolving attitude to lifestyle and minimalism and the intentions of his music. It's really weird to get to the 80s and he's just like, I just want to make music that makes people dance and be happy. <laughs> it's yeah. like okay that's it that's interesting it's an interesting mm. sort of minimalist approach to his music where it's just like i want to find new sounds and just make people dance you know that's when you get things like let's dance <laughs> um yeah uh lost my place went off script also yes his sexuality and gender identity which were obviously contentious issues during his ziggy stardust era in the 70s Mm. there's this great footage of his 1973 interview with russell harty where he is questioned on his philosophies and his appearance and his sexuality and just he just very politely and eloquently refuses to be pigeonholed into any Mm. sort of box that the interviewer cares to try and squeeze him into and it's just beautiful because harty is there in his brown itv suit (laughs) and brown demeanor and you know terrible hair and he sat opposite bowie who is this pale thin magic man in red blue and pink with his bright red hair and his makeup you know with like purple eyeliner and you know a single earring that looks like a little chandelier and it's hearty who looks the fool like obviously you know one of these men is free and all the ways the other is not you know and all of hearty's square little questions absolutely fail to get anywhere near the soul of the man and that's wonderful to see (laughs) And then there's just the music. I saw this at the Cineworld Leicester Square IMAX, which has a powerful sound system that you can just feel in your seat. And particularly tracks like Sound and Vision and Ashes to Ashes just came alive in these ways that where you just suddenly feel like you're hearing it for the first time and different parts of the track kind of stand out to you. And um, Thank God Let's Dance is awesome again, because after Adam Buxton (laughs) danced to it on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, I had it forever associated with his little dance, so I'm glad that it suddenly feels cool again. (laughs) Thanks, Adam Buxton. Supposed (laughs) Bowie fan. Um, It's directed by Brett Morgan, who also did a movie about Kurt Cobain, which I am now very curious to see, and Mm. it's wonderful that he's made a film that is willing to use experimental techniques in order to actually be more faithful to its subject Mm. and not less. So, yeah, I'm going to give it five stars. It's one of the best best times in cinemas I've had this year. Great. Oh, yeah, I'd enjoy watching that. Oh, yeah. I enjoy um, watching a documentary, even a more, you know, straightforward, Mm. straight-laced sort of talking head style thing. I enjoy watching them about bands or or artists Mm. that are very famous, but from, you know, before my time. Yeah. Like, and it always gives me an appreciation for them that I never, you know, and suddenly you're like, oh, I understand why they were influential. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're making this, you know, documentary after the fact and everyone's of course praising them, mm. but you know, I watched one around Christmas time about the Bee Gees. Yeah. That I, uh, <laughs> my mom enjoys. Hey mom. Um, and it really made me appreciate. I was like, Oh wait, yeah, yeah you're right. The Bee Gees are great. Um, and I could see why. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Very I sim- love that. And so this would be fascinating to see. Um, <laughs> Did you ever see the Sparks brothers? 
Yeah, no, right I fun. never got. I never watched oh, that. I remember you telling me about it. That I sounded good. Like that. Yeah, yeah, I think you could have liked that one. Mm. Um, yeah. Cool. Very good. Yes, I'll watch that. Thank you. Yay! Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Petrus Elba punches a lion. In, in Beast. Wonderful. Yeah. This is good for Idris. Oh man, I I wrote this. These notes were written live as I was watching it, so they were <laughs> a little bit OGT esque. Okay. But yeah, right from the start, this has. 90s monster movie vibes wow this feels like anaconda or okay. you know there's a scene where the, the daughter's wearing a jurassic park shirt and it is not unearned um elba is on holiday with his almost estranged kids he has some major issues there um, and they go to africa together where the, i think the mother maybe had more recently come from uh, so they go back to reconnect with their roots and unfortunately terrible things happen and the first mm. warning sign is that Charlotte Copley is there which is enough to put everyone <laughs> run! Back on, anyone back on the plane district 9 is going to happen run <laughs> uh, it would actually be nice to see a movie about an African American family going home and just discovering their roots um, and I bet that exists and I don't know about it because our movie mm. curating institutions are inherently racist and I haven't bothered to hunt it down because I'm inherently racist and I'm hoping to join the movie curating uh, institutions so that's just going to make the problem worse and this is what happens when I wrote my, write my notes live. Wow. Shame <laughs> on you. Shame on me. I feel deeply ashamed. Anyway, they go on safari with Uncle District 9, and then a lion attacks. Ooh. Not just any lion, though, but a super lion. A made, super lion. Who's been radicalized by all the poachers that are around, so now he's bigger uh. and meaner and tougher than, you know, the other lions. And then poachers attack the lion. Oh, no, protect the lion, but also save me from the lion. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot of complicated feelings going I on. I want the lion to live, but very far away from me. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely one of those instances where you sympathize with the beast. Mm. Um yeah, it's a very dramatic survival movie with tough choices, desperate plans that go awry at the last minute, and then lots of tense near misses. It's basically Cujo, but with a big lion. <laughs> and um, yeah, mostly played straight, but there are some silly bits, especially the ending, which is sheer madness and pretty spectacular. Um, Idris Elba is fantastic, but it's not stretching him. Mm. You know, this is comfortably within his wheelhouse, unlike 3000 Years, which is great. I mean, that was within his wheelhouse, but you didn't know. You didn't know he had space for that wheel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the wheel in the boot that you didn't realize he was keeping there (laughs) that you didn't realize you needed until literally get your life saved by it yeah (laughs) oh god i really like the kids as well the two uh the two actors playing the kids are really good they're very real and authentic without being cliches Mm. it's very difficult for like little kid acting but i think they do it really well and you very much sympathize with them um speaking of cheesy moments there was a moment where they're trying to radio their dad and it's a big tense moment because idris elba's trying to be really quiet but the um suddenly the walkie-talkie goes off and we cut away and when we cut back the walkie talkie is just on the floor and the lion comes over and the kids are still like dad dad can you hear me and the lion puts his foot on the walkie talkie and mm. accidentally like turns it on and the kids just hear like the growling of the lion on the other side of the walkie talkie <laughs> it's very that's, good that's good <laughs> so gorgeous cinematography really beautiful uh work damn it i meant to google where exactly in africa this is the movie mm. doesn't necessarily make that abundantly clear okay i think we might be south yeah, there's but a not... lot of lions. There's a lot okay. of lions. I don't yeah. think... Are we in South Africa? Oh, yes, we are. We're in South Africa. Okay. Mopani mm. Reserve. Cool. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's really beautifully shot. Um, The CGI lion, of course, but it looks pretty good. It's mm. pretty threatening, pretty intimidating. They use lots of practical effects around it. Mm. It's a simple movie, but it's good fun. I enjoyed oh, it. Okay. Yeah. I so we... It... Sorry, go on. I just give it four stars. Okay. Very yeah. nice. Cool. Yeah. So it's more 90s 
action movie yeah. than like thriller with a lion. Well, it is a thriller with a lion, but it does have. It, I mean, it doesn't get as campy as like Anaconda, but it has okay. that nice feel. There's lots of sequences of like people trying to hide whilst the lion is stalking around, you know, and mm. there's a great sequence where Trisalva is trying to get under the car and the lion keeps charging and he's, his kids are in the car above him mm. and he's trying to, like, figure out what to do there and how to distract the lion without getting himself killed. They do a really good job of making the lion feel dangerous. Every time okay. it interacts with a character, it's, you know, pretty much going to be them dead, you know, or yeah. suffering a wound that's going to make them, that's going to have an impact on them for the rest of the movie. Interesting. Yeah, good stuff. I don't know how I feel about it. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I'm just going to look up a picture of the lion. <laughs> See if it's too scary. Yeah. It's a big lion. Idris Elba, dad, is there to protect us. The lion looks scary, Paul. Mm, it's a scary lion. It looks scary. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'd watch it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe give it a go. But I tell you what, if you want to go on um, holiday with a free, ferocious creature that you're not sure is on your side, then perhaps this next and last film of the day will be what's best for you. So it occurred to me that I always review movies that I would probably have seen anyway on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have gone out of my way to see something that probably would have slipped me by, like Cyrano or The Duke, you know, but I'm still mostly reviewing stuff aimed at me and stuff that I want to see. Yeah. So... Seeing as this is a slightly light month uh, cinematically, and I have just a ton of free time right now, I thought I would check out uh, the new rom-com from the writer-director who brought us The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, Mamma Mia, oh, yeah. Here We Go Again. Uh, it's Ticket to Paradise. Oh, is this about the woman who falls in love with a dress? No, What's that's that uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. That's it. <laughs> Same thing, Paradise, Paris. Yeah, we got an Same advert thing. for that beforehand, and we also got... Um, an advert for the one where Sally Hawkins is going to find Richard III's body. They're all, oh, all yes, mum films, you know. Mm. Um, and this this does actually represent me broadening my horizons, horizons that include Michael Bay and Satyajit Ray, uh, but <laughs> where Nora Ephron fears to tread. So here I am making an effort. Um, but I'm not going to be snobby about this. I thought to myself that as the lights went down. <laughs> You're not going to be snobby about this. Come on, um, Paul. Because I had, I had reason and previous with this kind of thing. The mm. marketing did put me in mind of filmed vacation for rich people movies such as The Tourist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, here we are. It's George Clooney and Julia Roberts, who are divorced parents who absolutely hate each other. And mm. uh, we open with a cross-cut sequence of them telling different people uh, the different versions of their breakup story, um, sort of contrasting them. You know, one of them saying, I handled it well, cut to, he handled it terribly. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they are thrust back together when their daughter, Caitlin Dever from Booksmart, uh, decides to give up on the high-pressure path of, to lawyerhood that her parents have placed her on and is going to live stress-free in Bali and marry a gorgeous seaweed farmer she's met there because that's what happens when you go to Bali. Mm. Um, so her parents are going to go to Bali and talk her out of it and be a lawyer because they suck Um, and they don't get on uh, but they decide to scheme together to try and ruin the wedding and maybe get a little closer because of the scheme and because they both suck Mm. George Clooney is very good at playing this guy as a dick he just really (laughs) effortlessly just is unpleasant and it's fun to see uh, Julia Roberts kind of needle him they're both fairly stereotypical ex-wife ex-husband archetypes Mm. but they play the type quite well um, and to my, my, to my surprise, I did end up getting invested uh, in that the big tension for me was that I really didn't want to see them get back together. <laughs> I was very nervous <laughs> that we were supposed to be feeling that. She okay. has upgraded. She's dating a young, um, handsome f- pilot. 
Cool, whose, only, whose only flaw is that he's French in an American rom-com, so of course he is also needy and oversharing. And nah. Yeah, it's you a mean shame. mean emotionally but, available. Yeah, emotionally and... available and therefore ridiculous. She needs to yeah. go back to being with a dick. So she needs neither. She needs to drop, drop them both and find yeah. someone out, find a, her own seaweed fisherman. <laughs> but he, yeah, and he's trapped in the past and the lesson is, you know, needs to be for him that you move on. You don't, you know, hang around mm. in the hopes that things start up again. And I kind of hope that that's going to be the movie this is, you know, brave enough that they can just walk away from each other and realize that it's time to move on. And, you know, what they have now isn't healthy, but being back together won't be healthy either. This isn't that movie. Um, no. I do feel like I know and understand what this movie is, though. We've seen bad versions of it on OGT. We've seen Eat, Pray, Love and, you know, all of these other things. And that horrible one, the wrong Missy. But <laughs> I get what a good version of this is. It's just very simple plug-in characters into a gorgeous escapist location, straightforward story with clear goals and easy-to-understand complications, and then a sappy ending where the audience gets to feel happy about the choices they've made and not question anything about their lives. Great. Hmm. I get it. It's a movie for the mums, as demonstrated by the trailers beforehand, as I mentioned, but there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Mums are great, and they deserve unchallenging escapist cinema more than the teenage boys who form the core audience of the movies I tend to go to. <laughs> so... You know, this is perfectly competent iteration of something you've seen a hundred times before. Nothing stands out and amazes you, but it moves along briskly and it hits all the marks and the, you know, it hits all the marks. And the audience I saw it with all laughed and gasped accordingly. You know, when it turns out Julia Roberts stole the ring and then the daughter finds the rings and everyone's like, oh, it's like, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was the correct response audience. Yeah. Well done. You're <laughs> doing well. And I chuckled a couple of times. There were a couple of lines that got me. Um, and Bali is gorgeous and well filmed mm. here even if the portrayal of the locals is a bit condescending or just very pleasant and you know nice mm. um there was one moment where i felt i needed to blast with my inhaler because i've been a bit sick this week so i you know just tightness in the chest i got my inhaler out um but i timed it with when uh catlin devers uh sexy love interest is introduced so i <laughs> wondered if members of the audience were just like wow you <laughs> literally really breathtaking it, yeah <laughs> oh i say i agree my friend <laughs> time for me to give up my lawyerdom <laughs> uh, that's what i call it um, mm. so yeah I- i'm gonna give it three stars and it occurs yeah. to me that it's it feels strange to give this the same number of stars as don't worry darling but then i couldn't decide who's being shortchanged. <laughs> you know well there you go to explain my ranking system again you know three stars is fine does what it sets out to do and is not annoying Two stars, failure, but not terrible. One star, I hate this movie. Four mm. stars, good, better than you would expect. And five, you hold back for a perfect movie. Four stars yeah. is I can't fault it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think That's this is perfect. a fairly solid three. Great. Right I, sounds like middle. a really good film to watch when you're sick or something. Just yeah, exactly. You want to watch something easy. David, David's oh, been sick it. recently. Mm. And uh, he watched um, The Devil Wears Prada again. Yeah. Again. <laughs> and i was just like the, the, the yes 100 percent. this is what you should watch right now because it's a good film yeah you're just gonna sit and have a nice time yeah and sh- like you're just gonna enjoy yourself yeah and it's lovely now is not the time for crimes of the future you know no. you just you gotta settle down and watch either idris elba punch a lion or um julia roberts punch george <laughs> clooney those are the two yeah. and it's the same story really yeah. at the heart yeah. of it and we are yeah. all the same people and that's yeah. what david bowie believed Mm-hmm. And that's more or less all of them tied in. Yeah, I'll, I'll trust you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Kristen Stewart doing all sorts of crazy things that you don't need to worry about. Yeah, Don't worry about her. She's got mm-hmm. her, own, her own deal. Yeah, she's a strong, independent woman. Let her be. 
She is. Just yeah, leave her to it for the best. <laughs> so is that my uh is that my my um big old pot of films for this week? I think that might be your film pot. My film pot. Mm, yeah. Yum yum yum. Lovely stew eat it all up. <laughs> Mad stew. Mm. Well, thank you very much for these films, Paul. You're very welcome. Enjoyed thank them very you. much. That's a couple I'd watch. <gasps> um, yeah, well, that's all you can ask for any given I month. Think... A couple you'd watch. I think the highlight's going to be the one with Idris Elba as a genie in. Oh, God, yeah. That's the one I'm ke- I'd am i be keenest to see. And then probably the Bowie film. Yep. Bowie, Those Bowie, my... Bowie. Bowie. Is it, yeah, it's David Bowie. Yeah. Baba Bowie. Yeah. Yeah, those are the two best ones of the month, easily. Great. Yeah. Very, Very good. good stuff. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. Well, then, um, you've been listening to Jen and the Film Critic, uh, a Screen Mayhem podcast. My name is Jen Blundell, and with me was my film critic, Paul Salt. Say goodbye, Paul. Goodbye, everyone. Our music was by Jacob Blundell. We are affiliated with Screen Mayhem. You can find out more from them on um, at ScreenMayhem.com and on Twitter and other social media things. And I think that about wraps it up, doesn't it? It's all wrapped up. Beautiful. Wrapped yeah. up. Little bow on it. Little kiss. Eat it. Just a little kiss. And then you yeah. eat it. That's what I do with my presents. <laughs> Christmas Straight is a nightmare. <laughs> get to open any of them no she just eats them all yeah and yet still they insist on trying to buy me real things <laughs> you'd think we started doing it on purpose now she's got to learn <laughs> and yet i won't i refuse <laughs> they can't skis, make me jennifer <laughs> <laughs> i can do this believe in me <laughs> you were two of you were my real family she did it it's a christmas miracle <laughs> Christmas where Janet yes yeah 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 she, she, she's been looking unbearable ever since <laughs> so pleased for herself also her legs don't bend because <laughs> got ski down one each one <laughs> oh right, bye bye <laughs> it was all down there downhill from there oh, oh there we go you got it, got it you, you win you win